You're listening to Data Unlocked, driving better marketing with better data. We're interviewing marketing leaders to discuss how they're using customer data to bring more deeply personalized experiences to market. This podcast is sponsored by Simon Data. We help marketers unlock their customer data to deliver a better customer experience at scale. Hello, everyone. You're listening to the Data Unlocked podcast. My name is Jason Davis. Simon Data CEO and co-founder and your host. I'm excited to have Abby Boyer, EVP Marketing and Growth at Donors Choose on our podcast here today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Jason. I'm excited to be here. Thanks, Abby. And for our listeners who are not familiar with Donors Choose, can you share a little bit about yourself and the company? Donors Choose is a website that helps any public school teacher in the U.S. get materials, resources, experiences that their students need to learn. We've been around for 20 years, so our founder, Charles Best, he was a history teacher out in the Bronx, and he was surprised to find that his students didn't have their own copies of the books that he wanted them to read. He found himself actually Xeroxing a copy of Little House on the Prairie one day in the copy room, and he thought to himself, there must be people out there that if they knew that there were this many teachers in America whose kids didn't have access to a computer if they had to learn to type, or a rug in a pre-K classroom, they would support those needs. And since Charles started the organization in 2000, we've been around for 20 years and have raised over a billion dollars for classrooms across the U.S. There are teachers in 75% of public schools in the U.S. who rely on donors choose to get those materials for their students. And where do I fit into the equation? I lead the marketing team at Donors Choose, and we think primarily about two different audiences. Like a traditional crowdfunding site or a marketplace, we ensure that the supply side is there, right? That there are enough teachers who know about Donors Choose and post requests on our site so someone can search by their favorite book, by their favorite geography, and that we have right now over 50,000 requests posted on our site, and people can actually come and give to those projects. So that's supply side. And then we think about the donor side as well, ensuring that individuals like you or me as well as companies and foundations know that Donors Choose exists and come back year after year to support those U.S. public school needs. Thanks, Abby. It's a great cause and a great founding story. I don't know if I mentioned this to you, Abby, my wife was actually a former educator. And when we were living in Manhattan, she worked at Harlem Children's Zone, which is very well funded by you know, Jeffrey Canada and his efforts. But so many other public schools, especially underprivileged public schools in this country, really just lack the basic resources they need to buy textbooks and so much more. It's really just a fantastic mission. From a marketing perspective and customer engagement perspective, I mean, the first question I sort of like to kick off on is how do people find out about Donors Choose? And I think so many folks, especially those with kids and people in education, understand the situation in this country around the school system and lack of funding in so many contexts. But bridging that to the great cause that Donors Choose brings, how do people actually find out about the platform and the site? Our primary driver of new donors to Donors Choose is still word of mouth. And I think this is what differentiates a charity in a lot of ways from a for-profit company is that you need really high level of trust to decide to make a donation for the first time to a charity that you hear about. And the best way to build that trust, in addition to awards that you win or having a high score on Charity Navigator, is to hear about it from a friend who says, hey, have you heard about Donors Choose, a charity that supports teachers? I've given to it. It's this amazing experience. And what's incredible about it is this integrity and transparency where when you make a gift, you know it goes directly to a teacher. 
and we think of word of mouth broadly. So there's three different drivers, I would say, of word of mouth for us in terms of donor acquisition. The first is teachers being out there and talking about their projects. We have a lot of programs built out for teachers that help them share effectively about that request that they just posted on our site. For example, when a new teacher starts a project on our site, they get a promo code for that first seven days, and they can share that on social media or through email or soon to be text with their networks. The second way we think about word of mouth is a trusted source as partners or influencers who are supporters of Donors Choose. We have folks like Stephen Colbert on our board of directors, uh, W. Kamau Bell, as well as partners like Google and Allstate and Sonic Drive-In. And when those folks run campaigns with Donors Choose, they're out there talking about us, and that drives a lot of buzz about Donors Choose. And the last way we think about word of mouth is donor to donor. And in this digital world that we live in, people can get stuck in this definition of word of mouth as sharing on social media. But rather, most of the actual word of mouth happens is me and you going out to a cup of coffee, Jason, and me telling you that I heard about this great experience or I received something. We send student thank you letters to folks once they fund projects on our site. And you might have one of those hanging on your fridge when you have a friend who comes over and says, what is this adorable photo on your fridge? And that creates a lot of conversation between donors who hear about us for the first time. Yeah, I guess there's an old adage in advertising. I know that half my marketing is working, but you know, I can't tell you which half. Uh, you know, <laughs> and, and it's so true. It's one of the big things that we believe in at Simon Data is really just this philosophy that your know, creativity, intuition, understanding the customer and, and behavior needs to drive the boss and data needs to support. I think all too often there's this orientation that the data science will really just rule everything. And at the end of the day, there are certain behaviors, the refrigerator magnet downstairs that my kids are talking about. In no time in our lifetime, and I hope no time in time to come, will there be a way of sort of measuring that because there's certain the line between privacy and what can be measured and what should be measured. <laughs> exactly. One of the big, certainly for any charity and for you guys in particular, how do you think about repeat donors? So folks who come, have a great experience and come back, and what does that look like? And how do you think about those types of personas? That's a great question, Jason. At the top line level, there are two factors we think about when building segments for donors. The first is whether somebody came in through a teacher and that loyalty lies with that connection that they have to that specific family member, sister, brother, friend who told them about their project. And, you know, you can think about GoFundMe. If you gave to a specific campaign because a friend is having a health challenge you give to or they're running a marathon, you're not loyal to GoFundMe, right? You're not going on there looking for another campaign to support. It's similar with Donors Choose with that group of donors. And then we have another group of donors that we think of as community donors. Those are folks who gave to us because they want to support schools, you know, in the Bronx or in the hometown where they grew up or because we're this renowned charity. And those are the primary segments and we market to them in a variety of different ways. In terms of our main tactics for driving retention for those segments, We have a couple. The first is personalization. So we lean a lot into that first gift and that behavior that you've shown us before about how you like to give on our site. We have an email, for example, that we send once a month. Imagine your Netflix recommendations email. This is our version for classroom projects on Donors Choose. And the strongest indicators based on your past behavior are that acquisition source, but also geography. Geographic preference is really powerful in how people give on our site economic need, whether someone's trying to make the greatest impact. And there's a couple levers that have nothing to do with segmentation, like how much money is left 
on the project as that compares to your average gift size, that can make a big impact in conversion when someone hits our site and we feed them something that they liked in the past. Another big way that we drive retention with donors is creating big moments that create this feeling that there's a sense of urgency to give to a certain type of project or classroom. There's the major moments in the year like back to school and teacher appreciation week is a big one for us. Partners come to us and we do a lot of events then. But we also have found we can create moments like something around our anniversary with our most engaged donors where we show them that last project, that first project they gave to. And that inspires them and they see those heartwarming words from those teachers. Or a book event during National Read Aloud Month where folks are inspired to give that way as well. So we rely on really a lot of automated emails and messages based on those historical preferences, based on that project you gave to, and then these big events throughout the year to drive that engagement. How are leading brands using data to bring more deeply personalized experiences to market? Find out on Data Unlocked, driving better marketing with better data. You can listen to more episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Simon Data. We help marketers unlock their customer data to deliver a better customer experience at scale. That makes a ton of sense. I mean, certainly an attribute like geo is you intuitively is super critical. Whether it's supporting the city that you live in, we both live in Brooklyn, and there's certainly some very overprivileged as well as some very underprivileged schools in Brooklyn, or sort of supporting the hometown that you grew up in that may need some money for textbooks and what more and whatnot, rather. And I guess maybe we can sort of just talk about that second donation in particular. Mm-hmm. You sort of said there are a couple of different personas, and you know, maybe I'll sort of leave it for you to pick an example, one that might be more interesting. But what we've seen across our customer base, and certainly from what I understand about nonprofits, when you get someone from one to two, it's a lot easier to get them to, from two to three and three to four. So how do you think about that aspect of life cycle? And are there any particular strategies or tactics that you've found that work really well? Yeah, we think about that timeline as the first six months that you've been on Donors Choose before we're then getting you into a win-back series to make sure that you don't fall off after a year of being with us. And, you know, I will say we're different than just to contextualize as you talk about Donors Choose compared to other companies you might have visited the podcast. We're not measuring daily active users. We don't assume anyone is going to be using our product like they use a banking system that they're on every single day. There are some people who like to give to charity once a year. There's other folks who want to do it regularly. But what we have learned through research is that what's powerful about our model is that even if you planned out how much you want to give to nonprofits in that year, or even how much you want to give to education, through a really compelling email or event, we can get you to give again. Because if you see a project that relates to that childhood memory that you have, or like we said, that geo preference that really matters to you, the town down the block that you've heard of the teacher, or you've heard of that school, that can get you to convert to make that donation, even if you weren't planning to. And that gets down to how we get people to that second donation. I'll really emphasize those preferences and how much they matter. And we send people, especially within those first seven days, we send them a welcome series. We want them to understand their relationship with Donors Choose. But then we just send them a project that is in that community that they gave to first, that ideally has a match offer on it which is another really big driver for us in terms of conversion of someone feeling like their dollars are going further. And ideally that we do something called an A plus 
designation on our projects where something that's unique about donor shoes is we vet requests before they get posted. We make sure it's an actual teacher. We read the project to make sure there's no student privacy information. We ensure that when the teacher, teacher actually creates a cart through Amazon or another vendor that gets attached to that project. So donors can see what that looks like. And we designate some of those projects as the best projects that have a snazzy title or have this really heartwarming feel when someone reads them. And adding that layer early on when we try to get someone to come back can make a big difference. And if those, again, automated messages don't work, we find that coming in with a big moment and having one of those every one or two months can be that driver of urgency and conversion where usually those events only last one day. You can, again, imagine like a sale where you're trying to take advantage and um, that can help bring somebody back. Got it. And so it makes a ton of sense. At a high level, what I'm hearing is to get folks to their second donation focus on quality and relevance. So find all the personalization vectors we went through a few minutes ago, plus some of the other quality components, which are a bit more unique to donors' cues around the project and whether it's at an end of life or whatever that might be. So that makes a ton of sense. Um, Let me add one more thing, which is what we were talking about earlier around that, the things that actually ask you to make a donation versus something that just warms your heart. Um, One other journey we have built for customers is something that follows them along with that specific project that they gave to. And those communications have really high engagement. For example, if you gave to a project on our site, we tell you if someone else donates. We tell you if that project has a partner supporting it. We tell you the teacher actually writes you a note and a message and thanks after your donation. Uh, We tell you when the materials were shipped. We send you photos of the classroom using it. And that email journey spans a couple months for folks. So although we're trying to drive to that second project because we know that second donation in that first month, the earlier the better, we also can rely on this journey that we've built that's just about getting people back to our website that also creates an experience that makes people come back and see whether that specific teacher or school or community has another need that's posted. That makes a ton of sense. And I think obviously the deliverable is cash in the teacher's fund to support their classroom, but bring on donors to really understand the impact and to see the value and really the fact that their donation, whether it be five bucks or $500 is having, I can imagine is, is an incredibly powerful thing. Maybe one other quick question. When you look at the sales side of the marketplace, teachers who are looking to raise funds for the classroom, how often do teachers run more than one campaign? So maybe run one now, and then once the winter starts up or the second semester starts up, run a second one. And what does that look like? And does that happen organically? Or do you push that? Or how do you think about that? You've got the exact timeline right intuitively, Jason. Our biggest months of the year for posting are July and August bleeds into September, just that larger back-to-school season, depending on when teachers are starting school. And then January is another big bump in general. On average, teachers post two projects a year on our site. But similar, I could go into a whole nother podcast about our engaged donors and our engaged teachers, folks who really understand how to benefit the most from donors' shoes, often have seven or eight projects posted at a time. And those are a combination of things that are just basic needs that they always have for their classroom. There are those moonshot projects where they're like, if I could bring my kids to Europe, I mean, how incredible would that be to get them access to seeing like you were talking about? We're an equity focused organization. A lot of the kids we support have never been outside of their neighborhood. So going on a trip, going on a plane for the first time, going on a field trip, I mean, teachers sometimes shoot for the moon on those. And 
if they get that partner funding or they do that promotion, they can get those projects funded on our site. So those experienced teachers know they can have a lot of projects posted at a time and they'll get a lot of them funded. The teacher success rate on our site is about 75 to 80 percent of teachers who post get funded. And teachers come to our site through, again, word of mouth is a big driver. And we have a referral program. We have a teacher advocate program in schools across the country where they can talk and teach other teachers about how to get started on Donors Choose. And those are powerful, powerful levers. And again, you can imagine that natural word of mouth cycle when packages arrive in the office for a funded projects and a bunch of teachers see them and say, where did you get that? stuff? <laughs> Where did you get that bookshelf? Where did you get those books? Well, what about those computers? How did you do that? That creates a conversation where our biggest value as an organization is creating a great experience for the people who do use us. That's great. And certainly there's a tremendous more that we could talk about. Maybe we'll have you on later this year as we approach the January season to do another episode here. But certainly that all resonates with me. It's definitely a huge impact to be had here and huge opportunities and the causes is fantastic. With that, Abby, thank you for being on the podcast and we appreciate your sharing your wisdom with us. Absolutely, Jason. It's great to be here. And do you mind if I end us on just a teacher story that really has touched my heart? I think where we're on a podcast like this or I'm talking and pre-COVID we're all out in person, right? You you can get stuck in the numbers and say, okay, a lot of teachers use donors choose or they've raised a lot of money. But what really speaks to me in this role is how much each and every one of those projects matters to someone. And I'll just pull out this quote that a teacher shared with us in our teacher Facebook community after a big event that we had that funded book projects on our site. And Tiffany said, yesterday I was blessed to have three projects funded. A donor even gave me a $100 gift card for my next project. When I shared my excitement with my students with tears in my eyes, telling them how many people believe in them, a little boy came up to my desk. You see, he doesn't have the best home life and wanted to find out if people really helped us, people we've never even met. I showed him my Donors Choose page and let him read the messages from donors. He looked up at me and said, wow, there's really kindness in the world. I'll never forget that moment and how impactful Donors Choose is on my students by not only providing materials, but for showing my students that there is kindness in the world and people looking out for them. So thank you for having me on the podcast and thinking of Donors Choose. It's great to be here and I hope that leaves you with a heartwarm feeling as we head off. 100% Abby. And for any of our listeners today who want to make a donation or just sort of explore some of the projects to be funded, you can go to Donors Cues and there are thousands or tens of thousands or a tremendous number of projects available, especially now that we get into the fall semester. And of course, anyone who would like to learn more about Simon Data, you can go to simondata.com or email us at hello at Simon Data. And with that, thank you everyone. You've been listening to The Data Unlocked, driving better marketing with better data. You can listen to more episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Simon Data. We help marketers unlock their customer data to deliver a better customer experience at scale.